Yeah, this is Pat from Down, and you're listening to Rock and, and Metal, Metal Combat, Combat Podcast. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hey, hey, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with... Oh, yeah! The Ayatollah Alcoholic, Ian Wadley. Hi, Ian. Hello. What's going on, bro? Uh, drinking. Drinking. Getting ready to review this album. That's right. We're going to get right into it, but before we get into it, I owe Ian a huge apology. (laughs) I was wrong. And what was I wrong about? Wait till we get to pick of the week. And the funny thing is, I was waiting, like, I thought this was going to be the rest of my career. I was going to get slammed over this, if you want to call this a career. But, (laughs) But in my defense, go listen to the Megadeth pick of the week. And he kind of fumbles a little bit where he sounds like he says it. And then he goes back and says what he says on this one. So I didn't really pay full attention while I was editing. So I thought you did say one thing, but it turned out you said exactly what you said in this episode. And I'm sorry. (laughs) That's all right. I drink a lot. All right, cool. Let's get into it with Mr. T. From Germany. Yeah, let's get into the review, man. Uh, This week we're doing 1981? 82. 82. I do that. Just testing you, Ian. Okay. Fear the record. And who do we have with us, Ian? Oh, we have a special returning guest, man. A guy from the early, early days of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I christened him myself. Mr. T from Germany is with us this week. Come to my window. (laughs) Come on inside. Shave that bush. I like it smooth. (laughs) Hell yeah. Don't break my heart. My achy, breaky heart. (laughs) <laughs> All right, yeah, that was good, dude. I dug your vocals. You sing better as a chick than talk as a man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, every it happens every weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, great way to earn some extra cash. Yeah, you know, hey, it's either that or selling plasma. You, you kind of run out of plasma after a while. So. Uh, yeah, so uh, Mr. T, tell us how you discovered this album. Yeah, I discovered this album actually a little later than when I originally discovered this band. Because um, I'm like one of those in absolute no bullshit. I saw these guys, Fear, appear on Saturday Night Live back in like Halloween 1981. I'm like all of 12 years old or so. And thankfully, I've got like parents who had um, just sometimes like questionable parenting shit. And one of them and I'm really grateful for is the fact that you know, my folks let me stay up at like one, late at night as a six-year-old watching the first season of SNL. I think my parents kind of did it out of spite because they were already divorced at the time. My dad just let me do it one night and he tells my mom, Mom's, I can't be an asshole parent, so fuck, you can do it too. So regardless, man, I used to watch that show religiously. It's like about 84, 85, somewhere I just stopped. But these guys were on and I was like, holy fuck. And these, this is great. And they got, so that was like actually my first exposure to punk, really. And, but then, you know, 
memory of a goldfish. I fucking forget about these guys in a couple of months. And then a few years later, I'd say like ooh, 85 or so. I'm starting getting into punk. And then one of my friends had this album, Let Me Borrow It. And I was like, wow, this is really fucking cool. And then after all, I started putting two together. Like, Wait, these are the same, this is in guys who are on um, SNL. And of course, at the same time, I also saw um, Decline of West Civilization Part 1. And they're on that, too. And it's, I would say, if you can go off and watch those two different live performances, it's really fun to see how very much, very much more tame they were on SNL than they, than they are, say, like, in some club in Los Angeles. Because in that L.A. club, they're basically just bitching at their fans, calling them fags, and, and they don't bite my dicks so hard when I come next time. And, like, folks are going to get on stage and fighting them, and... On SNL, they're not saying any of that type of shit. They know that this is like their huge break or whatever. And so they're not doing any of that stuff. But yeah, that said, I got into them then and got in this album. What well, the album we'll get into. So, Ian, how about you, man? Uh, well, I had always, I had heard of them probably since the late 80s, but uh, never actually heard them. And I remember probably the first time I, I heard anything was uh, the fucking Spaghetti Incident. And I thought that was the best song on a Spaghetti. I, I'm like, oh man, I need to check that band out. And then when I checked it out, I was like, that dude. And then I realized I knew Lee Ving from you know some of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Because he's in The Wildlife, one of my all-time favorite movies. He's in uh, Streets of Fire. He was in Clue. <laughs> you know, I knew Lee dudes. Ving was. He was in yeah, dudes. dudes. Yeah. Um, Ernest then, goes to Hollywood. Yeah. And then when I saw the cover of the album, I realized my dad had the record. And I just never listened to it, but I remember flipping through his vinyl and seeing it. But, you know, I, I mean, I think it's a cool cover now, but back then it just didn't, like, scream, listen to me. You know, so I never checked it out. But I've, evidently my dad was into fear. <laughs> so, or at least bought it because of the hype on Saturday Night Live and never listened to it again. Maybe that's why I never heard him play it, but. It was in his collection, uh, but then went back and listened to it and uh, loved it. Uh, thought it was great. It's uh, different to me. It's kind of kind of like the Ramones, but maybe not as strong as songwriting, but in, in spirit. Uh, you know, they're and they're and they're all short songs, and, and definitely, you know, a lot of punk music would try to elevate your mind at least. You know, or speak about social injustice these guys just didn't give a fuck <laughs> you know they, they had the sound the look but lyrically uh they were a lot different they weren't trying to save anybody uh they were just out there being brash and and i love that they but, were doing uh, the opposite they weren't a fuck up society yeah <laughs> that was their message yeah fuck yeah society. i mean i mean you had stuff like you know minor threat you know that was more socially conscious and there was none of that here you know there was yeah there was nothing trying to you know save anybody or or show you how we need to change it's just like hey we're gonna show up and break shit we're fear and uh there's something to be said for that <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah that that's my uh intro how about you ralph uh i was friends uh, I was friends, well, I'm still friends, and he's still on my friends list. He moved to California back in the 80s, uh, in the <clears throat> early, early 80s. He used to play me, 
he's really into punk rock. And he really got me into some punk bands. Like, uh, the most shit that he, that he played, I couldn't get into. Like, I can, and to this day, I can never get into The Clash. I can never get into, like, the first Clash album, I was like, all right, that one sounds a little Ramones-ish, but it's just not hitting it for me. And, you know, then the later stuff was a little too bizarre. And uh, uh, who else did he play me? Um, the Germs, I think, was another one. Dead Boys. Dead Boys are okay. Those I didn't hate. But when he played me this album, the Fear album, I got it right, right the first song. I was like, whoa, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, man, this band's badass. He was like, yeah, all they talk about is, like, you know, queers and, and junkies and stuff like that. And I'm just listening to this. And then, you know, we get to that other song, which we'll talk about when we get to it, where he goes... Fuck you! I was like, whoa! I never heard fuck you on a record. And I was like, dude, these guys were like, you know, really brash, really harsh, you know, for my young ears at the time that was into Ario Speedway, you know? But I got it. I really did get it. I was like, wow. Now this this punk band I like. You know, the Sex Pistols, Ramones, uh, you know, the, 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 the Exploited was another one he turned me on to. The, those were the only ones that really grabbed me and this band. So I did get... Uh, the record like around 85 and I need to buy it again because I, I, I listened to it for this review and it was skipping and scratching and, uh, and, and you know I had to lift the needle a million times I'm like god and then I just stopped playing it and I went online and listened to it on YouTube because it's unlistenable that fucking album um, <laughs> but yeah it's a classic and, and you know I, I got a uh you all might not know this. I don't think I ever talked about this on the podcast, but I do have a new band now. It's it's uh, called um, Infectious Ye- Infectious Yeast Infection. No, I'm sorry, Nutritional Yeast Infection. And mm. I, I don't plan on releasing it. I plan on like uh, burning a bunch of CDRs, and actually, I'm gonna draw the album cover myself, so you know it's gonna be horrendous. <laughs> and it's me and a girl doing a duet, and I. I told her, dude, we, we got to do Let's Have a War because it's so perfect for what we do. It's We sound like fear. We do. that that You know, in retrospect, listen to this album, I go, that's what we sound like. Because I was trying to pinpoint, who the fuck do we sound like? It is kind of fear because it's kind of punky, but it's kind of thrashy too, but it's also very anti-society. You know, it's like total scumbag lyrics. And I was like, we need to do this, you know, instead of the same suburbia, we're going to say Hialeah, uh, which is an inside joke, and it's a, it's a town in Florida, and uh, and I wrote her this morning, and I sent her the song, she's like, oh my god, this shit rules, let's do it, so this Friday we're recording it, and uh, I absolutely love this album, and yes, uh, like Mr. T, I remember seeing that um, Fear uh, performance on Saturday Night Live, and now it makes a lot of sense to me, because uh, it, that was filmed on 1981. Uh, the album came out in 82, and I didn't get it until 85. Right. And I remember seeing uh, that Fear performance again in the late 80s on Comedy Central when they used to rebroadcast those old Saturday Night Live. And I was like, oh, man, that was Fear, you know? And yeah. it was soon after that, too. Like, I saw it on TV, and I was like, wow, that's kind of kooky. I thought it was all stage and shit. But till I went to Flynn's and I saw a band called Dead Presidents where that same thing happened. And that was the first time I witnessed slam dancing. But it, it was even more violent than that. And, you know, you, Decline of Western Civilization Part 1 
I think they stole the fucking movie. They're kind of like yeah. they're kind of like what Megadeth did in part two. You know, you saw a bunch of like, eh, I mean, for me, like you know, X and all these other bands and like did nothing. For me. I think Black Flag was in that movie, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, with the original thing, that, that was good. But Fear stole the fucking movie, and they ended the movie like Megadeth did. It was fucking amazing. But you don't really see that pit action in Decline of Western Civilization like you do on uh, Saturday Night Live. But when I saw it at Flynn's with the Dead Presidents, and then soon after I saw I saw Black Flag there. Henry Rollins was already in the band when I saw them at Flynn's. Dude, slam dancing back then was like just people beating the living shit out of each other. Like, thrash moshing was fucking tame compared to what, you know, the, the genesis of, of uh, moshing was all about. And... Uh, it was t- intense, man. I'll, I'll never forget seeing people beat. And I, you know, I'm like this underage kid. I'm not supposed to be in this club, and I'm seeing all this shit. And, and it was a very small club. And I'm like, there was a bar on the side, so I was on the other side of the bar where the bartender was, because I was scared out of my fucking gorge, man. Seeing these people beat, <laughs> beat the fuck out of each other, and um, uh, it was an experience I never forget, you know. And I, I, and and then when Martian did come into the scene on Thrash, when I started going to Thrash shows. Around 86, I was still afraid, even though it wasn't as brutal. It wasn't until I was, uh, by default, I got caught in a mosh at uh, uh, the Monsters of Rock show uh, with Metallica and Van Hager and all that shit. And I'm all the way up front during Kingdom Come. And then uh, when Metallica came out, the whole fucking field was at the Orange Bowl. The whole field turned into a mosh pit. I couldn't get out of it. So I just joined it. I had no choice. Then I was like, hey, this is fun. And then after that, after that I was moshing all the way through. I became too old. But, did, uh, did, I, did I ever tell you about when uh, we got kicked out of Iggy Pop because my dad started punching people in the mosh pit? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we saw, and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, the rib. We went and saw Iggy Pop at the rib and on the Brick by Brick tour. And my dad, huge Iggy Pop fan, but he hadn't seen Iggy since like the late 70s early 90s and people weren't really doing that shit and uh so i go there with my dad his wife at the time but you know i i gotta be cool i can't be standing by my dad so i go up front he's in the back and enjoying plenty of drinks well when iggy starts i'm all getting into it man i see people getting on stage and i get on stage like yeah and then i see him stage diving and I'm, i think i'm 16 15 or 16 uh, you know, I had to be 16 because I was driving. But uh, I was too scared to stage dive, so I just jumped off the stage. <laughs> but then I look back and see this big melee. And like, whoa, and you see all the bouncers come running. And like, what the fuck? People started moshing. My dad didn't know what the hell was going on, so he just started punching people. <laughs> like, like, I have a fucking Clint Eastwood movie, like a bar fight, just started punching people in the face. All this shit, I had no idea understanding what was going on, and we got thrown out two songs into the show. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, um, going back to Fear of the Record, yeah, this one is up there. Because, see, and I will probably say it during the show, I'm not the punk expert. I'm not a punk guy. and Because uh, I, I don't want to pretend I am, because then I'd be a punk poser. But uh, there's certain punk things that really do grab me. Like, you know, the Pistols. 
Pistols 2 really did grab me, though. That album and this one and the Exploited. The one that Maggie, 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 fucking cunt. That one, whatever that one's called. I have it. I have it on CD. And um, the first Black Flag. I wasn't really the biggest Black Flag guy when Henry Rollins joined the band. Uh, but I, I love that first one with Rise Above and stuff like that. Uh, who's the original singer of Black Flag? Uh, Keith. Uh, um, the, uh, for Circle Jerks. Keith, yeah. Keith Moore. Keith Morris. Yeah, Keith Morris. I, I love that guy. I love I love that album. And uh, uh, the Ramones too, but you know the Ramones like pretty much invented punk, but they had well you know you can go back to the Stooges and MC5 and the Who too for for that proto punk stuff. But uh, the the Ramones like had this 55 to it. Doo Wop, Motown, you know. Uh, what's his face that recorded uh, uh, End of the Century that's in jail now. Um, you know, Phil Spector. Yeah, Phil yeah. Spector. They had kind of that injected into this rough, rough music, and uh, and I absolutely love the Ramones. I, I consider myself a huge Ramones fan without being like a big punk fan because honestly, I can't really you know identify with punk as much as real punk rockers. But there's certain things that certain punk acts I love, and this is definitely one of them. Fear the record is, whew, it's up there, you know. Uh, is one of my favorite, you know, punk albums, and uh, that's all I got to say about it. So, uh, Mr. T, why don't you take track one? All right. So, um, I'll get a little spoiler now. This is my favorite hardcore punk album. Period. I mean, The Ramones are my favorite punk band, but this album, I'll be, I'll be licking a lot of, um, a lot of balls on this one. I'd absolutely love this fucking album. Starting with let's, the opening track, "Let's Have a War." This was one of the songs they performed in SNL, and actually, this was the, I guess it was the, they got cut off, so they said, okay, fuck, we can't deal with these guys anymore, did, did just, just hear, go did, and... Sh- did you hear the story why it got cut off? I've heard, a, like, they were supposedly that there was um, some damage being done, that producers were all nervous or whatever, I'm not, no, I've heard we, a bunch of different stuff. No, this is what actually happened, uh... I believe he's dead now, but the guy that was the big wig at NBC, Brandon Chadikoff or something like that. Tart- yeah, Chadikoff. Yeah. He was home watching it. And, <laughs> and some guy in the audience grabbed the microphone and said, fuck New York. Yeah, that was Ian McKay. Okay, from, yeah. Uh, from Minor Threat. Minor Threat and later for guys. Because like, he's from D.C. He's saying New York sucks. New York sucks. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> he saw that and he called up. He goes, cut him off. Cut him off. That's how. That's why they got cut off. Yeah. You know, that dude yelling, "Fuck New York!" And also, yeah, go ahead, man. I was just gonna say, like, the whole reason they were there was because of Belushi. Yeah, Belushi. Uh, yeah, yeah. Belushi loved these guys. Met him out in L.A. and he got him on there. They never would have been on SNL. No, 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 no. Um, and I think that was like, basically, they were like, "John, could you please come back on?" Because that, like. 80 was the worst season of yeah. SNL, yeah. That was just oh, fucking yeah. awful. 81, they're still trying to rebuild. And it's like, hey, John, can you like come out here? And he's like, yeah, I'll show up. But, you know, I want you to have these guys play. Because he was going to get Fear um, a song on his movie Neighbors. Yeah, right. And then, like, the producers are like, oh, fuck you. No. <laughs> and I don't know what the fuck they went with. I, I, I don't remember. So then John's like, fuck, I gotta make it up these guys. And then, you know, I'll just, I'll use myself as a bargaining chip to make some half-assed cameo on SNL, but these guys are gonna be the musical guest. And supposedly he was in that mosh pit, and I've, 
So it was like um, Tesco via the Meat Men. Um, that's another, um, you talked about before, like punk bands, you like they're going to be very political, like the Dead Kennedys or others that are going to be just totally fucking offensive. Well, the Meat Men were in that second category and they're just much more offensive than anything that's on this album. So, but, and the, but I've heard other people claim they are in that mosh pit. The amount of folks that I've heard claim that were, have been in it, if they were actually there, it'd be like a thousand fucking people. So, yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was too. I was, I was home, but I was also there. I was eleven years, I was eleven, twelve years old. But I was you know, there, goddamn it. You know who was there, but you really got to look is Waldo. Yes. <laughs> Just look for the hat. <laughs> he but was yeah, behind. I mean, it, it is important that they did. They brought their own fans, you know, and gave them tickets to get in because it was a planned thing that once they started playing. You know, people were going to get up. I mean, NBC knew nothing about this. You know, they just thought people had tickets, but they were going to get up and do this to, to show them what punk rock is really yeah. all about. So, yeah, but let's have a war. I mean, this is a... I'd say it's a little bit... I think it's a tongue-in-cheek kind of song. It's a kind of a protest about war. Like, yeah, let's have a war so we can get rich and you can go fucking die. And so... But, yeah, I, I dig. I think it's a great way to open an album... It, you know, it starts with a little bit of a nuclear explosion that you can hear, and then it just rips right into it. Absolutely no complaints. Love this song. How about you there, Ralph? There's so many of us, there's so many of us, there's so many, there's so many of us, there's so many of us, there's so many. That shit's so catchy. I mean, that's the first thing I heard when this guy put on the record at my house, and I was like, wow! And then it goes into that, let's have a war! And I was like, fuck, dude. And what's really cool about this song, <clears throat> Uh, Sacred Wright covered it and did a very good cover of it. Uh, a few years ago, you know, I, on a rare occasion, because I never leave my house during traffic time, but this day I got caught in traffic, and on my iPod shuffle, this song came on. And I was like, talk about the perfect song when you're bumper to bumper. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, man, let's go to war so all you fuckers can die. You know, it's like, you know, like I said, I'm not the biggest punk fan, but goddamn, does this capture that punk spirit, you know? Pissed off at the clutter of morons in the rat race, idiots in front of you at li- at the line at Walgreens or at the drive-thru or at the post office, anywhere. You know, I am the quickest fucker when, it, when it's time to fucking buy something. I go up to the register, blah, 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 and I'm out. But man, everybody in front of me always takes fucking forever. You know, I can't stand these fuck stains. No offense, Ian and Mr. T. I'm sure you guys are like that. But yeah. um, Oh, yeah, totally. Dude, you would love shopping over here because you got motherfuckers who are, like, still in the line. Read the goddamn receipt to make sure that they got their yeah. five cents off. What like, you motherfucker, yeah. I will pay you yeah. to get the fuck out of here. My time is worth more than this horse shit. <laughs> yep, no, and, and that's what I go through. Always, you know, it takes forever for me to purchase anything. I mean, it's like nine out of ten will be that way. Will take forever. It's like that rare occasion. I'm like, oh look, a guy like me, you know. It's like let's have a war indeed. Just send these nine out of ten bastards and give them all horses and sticks and let them go against like the opposing team's tanks, so I can go wherever the fuck I want, like at Walgreens without waiting, you know. But fuck, what a fucking song, dude. This song, what a great way to kick off this album. And it's total, you know, it may be tongue-in-cheek. I never really looked at it tongue-in-cheek because of the, the subject matter of the rest of this album. It just sounds like these guys are just so pissed off. They want everybody to die. And I think that's a cool fucking attitude to have, you know, when you're in that 
pissed off mood. And there's nothing better to listen to pissed off than, you know, thrash, hardcore, and punk. You know, it really does get out that angst. You know, you're not going to fucking feel like, you know, uh, relieved after you listen to, like, you know, take it outside. And oh, wait, and you know, it's like, you know, listen to poison when you're pissed off. You, you know, you're, you're liable to kill yourself. But, um,. This is the shit. I love Let's Have a War. What do you think, Ian? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and and this kind of had me uh, scared when I met Lee Ving, you know, because you hear all this shit about, you know, his right-wing politics, you, you know, and you see the concert footage and shit. And when I met him, I was like, oh, fuck, I was almost afraid to talk to him. The nicest dude ever. I went to, uh, it was like a SoCal punk show. It was... D.I., Agent Orange, and Fear were the main bands. And I'm outside smoking. Lee finally pulls up about 11 o'clock. I went out in between bands. They didn't go on till after midnight. But I just see that, like, this little U-Haul pull up, and here pops out Lee. And he's got, like, longer hair now. Short as fuck, man. Looked like a little fucking punk leprechaun. And, uh... But man, he pulls up, you know, they got a, it's, it's like a U-Haul van and then just like one of those little trailer things that has all the gear in it. And he's just pulling out boxes of t-shirts and stuff, carrying himself. And he's like struggling with, with a couple boxes. So I was like, Lee, you want me to carry that? He's like, oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, and just it was so like mild mannered at night. Well, you know, and granted, he was probably about 60 when I met him. Because uh, I think he's like 67 or 68 now. Uh, but a super cool dude, but I'm sitting there looking at like how he's traveling and what he's doing now. Like normally I'm like, Hey, you know, I helped you with that shit. Let me get one of those shirts. But I was like, nah, man, I'm going to ask him for shit, man. This guy's still, he's really doing punk the way it's supposed to be done, man. He's doing everything himself and had a lot of respect for that. And a super cool guy, but not that, you know, once he hit the stage, it was fucking Lee Bing, you know, but until he hit that stage, man, he was just a really nice old man. <laughs> but I, I love this song, and it does. It has that infectious, you know, beginning. Let you know what you're in for right off the fucking bat. And, I, yeah, I just always like, suburbia! <laughs> you know, just catchy as fuck. Start and, in New Jersey! <laughs> yeah. And I think one of, probably the biggest selling point of fear is Lee Bing's voice. I, I think it's so awesome, and... I think he, he can really sing what he wants to, and, and he can be gruff and rough, and uh, but it's definitely more about him and, and and what he writes. And you know, there's been a lot of lineup changes in Fear, especially since the early '90s. They kind of kept it intact for a long time, but with revolving bass players. But you always had the same, you know, drummer and uh, guitar player till I think around '93. But you could you could see like. The, the one person you could not replace in this band, like, you know, you ain't bringing Sammy Hagar in. <laughs> you know, there's only one singer here, and that's Lee. But it's, you know, it's more than his vocal, it's his attitude as well. And uh, this is a classic. And, yeah, I, I don't even know if it, if it is, uh, like, kind of a joke. I, I think he probably meant it back then, <laughs> every word of this. But uh, I fucking dig it. <laughs> and then we go into the next one, Beef Baloney. Yeah, and that definitely lets you know. No social consciousness here. <laughs> this is like punk cock rock. <laughs> I just want to give you my beef baloney, beef baloney. <laughs> I don't know 
Did, did, did he ever use that on a chick? <laughs> you know, I've heard a lot of bad come-ons, but hey, you want some beef bologna? I don't know. But, but the she song, wants her double dose. Yeah, but the song kicks ass, man. And I mean, like, we're talking minute 47 here, but it doesn't need to be one second longer. It does everything it has to do in that short period of time. I absolutely love beef bologna. What do you think, Mr. T? Almost set. Yeah, I <laughs> fucking love this one, too. Um, another thing to point out is that a lot of punk bands, especially early on, a lot of those motherfuckers couldn't play. Um, these guys actually can play. I think they all had, like, jazz or blues backgrounds. I know Lee Ving had been a blues singer. Um, uh, Durf Scratch was was a jazz musician. Uh, I think, my, I think um, Spit Sticks might have been as well. And... But also, another, I guess, hallmark of punk albums, especially like these early ones, because they're all fucking indie albums. The production usually sucks. This is actually got some pretty good production, especially for a punk album. Yeah. It's probably because these guys all knew celebrities already. It's like they already knew, like, John Bush and John's like, yeah, I'll, I'll try to hook you up with something better. But they're on, like, fucking Slash Records. You know, they, don't have a, they don't have any real budget, so I don't know where they got the cash for this. But, yeah, I mean, Beef Bologna, it starts with kind of a bluesy song. And it's all about his girl likes the cock. And <laughs> that's, but yeah, I dig this one. I think it's great. They played this on SNL too. That's I think they, yeah, they played this on there. Well, it was great. Fucking loved it. Yeah, that's how they started it. They started the show with this. Well, they also played, um, uh, so it comes up, comes up later. And I'll mention what they, what they changed. They, they, they were, like I said, they were playing the game. They did, they did kind of censor themselves at spots. But I mean, they had to. That was this was their chance. This was their big chance, and they went out and got Eddie Murphy to say "fuck you" to him after after it was over. So. Oh really? But, yeah. what, what's the story yeah. behind that? Um, I guess afterward, Eddie Murphy. Um, because this is like Eddie's like his his well, he's Eddie Murphy started in 1980 along with Joe Piscopo, and then, but I guess midway through 1980, the 80 season, Murphy went from feature player to regular. And so now 81, this is his first full season as a regular player. And I guess, and after they were done, all this crap, Eddie Murphy then goes into their dressing room, just opens up, and says, fuck you. And then closes it or whatever. Really? So, yeah, I mean, and that's Eddie. It's not like, you know, his, his brother who, you know, is a bit of a fighter. Eddie's not really a fighter. So yeah, they pissed him off. Um, at any rate. Yeah. I, but still, I absolutely love this fucking song. It's, it's a little blues. He gets right into the punk. And yeah, perfect fucking song. So far, we're two for two for me. How about you there, Ralph? Yeah, it, it starts off like George Thurgood's retarded brother. Then, it, then it, goes, <laughs> it goes into this ripping tune about a chick that hates junkies and fake people and pastrami and roasted chickens. But she loves that beef bologna. Uh, it's a catchy little ditty. I always like this one. I always found this one hysterical, actually. Kind of uh, oddball-ish. But I digs it. Beef bologna's a good one. Uh... Camarillo's next and uh, eh, this one is kind of okay like I said you know it's uh, not a pure punk I'm just a punk dabbler so I can't really identify with this one musically or vocally uh, but it is okay you know at first I fell down and then I got shot up again over and over again but okay okay alright alright this is a punk song that this is a type of punk that doesn't really grab me uh, what do you think uh, Ian uh, I agree with you there too, because uh, this one, 
doesn't grab me musically or lyrically. I don't even get what he's talking about. Um, I don't know, and it, and it's so short. It's I don't know. It, this this just this seems like filler to me. If you know, if you know, if, it's hard to call something like a minute long filler, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not a standout track for me. I don't hate it, but, you know, it doesn't jump out at me like the first two. What do you think, Mr. T? I am on my own because I absolutely love this fucking song, too. It's supposedly they wrote, they wrote this about them playing a gig at a uh, mental institute, like a Camarillo mental institution or whatever. So, I mean, you have things like electroshock and, um disciplinary corrective surgery um yeah it's i i dig it i said it's not like you said it's not really a punk song it has little odd elements into it but i absolutely love this one it wasn't one of my faves back in the day but i never hated it but now going back many many years later i absolutely love this fucking song so right now i'm three for three and now we're going into the fourth track i don't care about you um, well, we're four for four. Fuck it. I love this one too. I know I'm getting boring here. They also played this one on SNL, but, um, now this one, you know, as Ralph alluded to part of the chorus is fuck you. Um, but on SNL, they said, forget you or something like that. And so, but yeah, I, I, I dig this one. This is about, you know, how much it sucks living in cities. And they, they mention Philadelphia, Los Angeles, New York. And I think we tend to forget just how shitty a lot of these cities were back in, like, the late 70s and early 80s. I mean, New York was a fucking shithole, um, especially, like, in the 70s. But now it's been all cleaned up after many decades and money getting thrown in and gentrifying and whatnot. But, man, Times Square back in the day... Yeah, <laughs> it's not now. It's like you know, fucking Disneyland and shit. Back I know, then, but my was, girl wants to go next year, and I'm like, I don't even want to go to. I got no desire to go to New York. I mean, I never really have. I've always been more of a West Coast guy. But man, now that they cleaned it up, it's like fuck. I want to go to Times Square in the seventies. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I would have liked to have done that too. I mean, I guess I would like to go like see like was it. 53rd and 3rd or um oh, oh really you want to get your cock sucked by a boy huh i'm sure i'm sure it's, i'm sure that's it's all cleaned up i think now it's like some fucking um, investment bank or whatever's there so i guess now i just get my <laughs> my account wiped out for nothing you know some fucking ponzi scheme um you get hand jobs from priests now there <laughs> oh i i got those as a kid in the church um, <laughs> dominus cobiscus yes i i needed that settlement money so yes uh <laughs> oh you, you got you got settlement money Shit. He threw a towel at me. He told me to get the fuck out of there. I didn't get molested at all. That's why I still worship my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, sir. <laughs> yeah, but I don't care. Yeah, I fucking love this song. It's just... I, it, it's... Yeah, it, it's, it is what it is. It, it's, you know, it's, I don't care about you. Fuck you. What you got there, Ian? Uh, <clears throat> what I got here is the best fucking song on the album. I fucking love this. I, I think it's not only the best song on the album, I think it's one of the greatest punk songs of all time and uh, sums up everything that I love about the, the, the music and the movement. You know, the, the I don't care attitude, the, like the, the real I don't care attitude, not the fake bullshit. Uh, this, this song's legit, man. And 
Oh my God! You know, and I, I loved it when I first heard it when GNR did it. You know, but God, hearing it, you know, without five keyboards and uh, you know this fake ass shit, you know, it, it's a thousand times. But now I, I really can't listen to the GNR version. It's like, oh God, no! I just I gotta hear Lee Ving. I gotta hear this. Uh, and this is something that's always been uh, on whatever you know phone or iPad, whatever I got, man. Well, the whole album is, but the, this, you know, it's because of this song, you know, because I gotta hear this shit. Uh, and I wish, I wish this was like a fucking Stairway to Heaven long song, you know, because it's just that good. Every time it's over, I'm pissed, you know, because it's so fucking good. You never want it to end. Uh, absolute genius here. And you're you really right about the production, too, especially, you know, if you listen to other shit, uh, you know, around the same time, like the Kennedys and the Minor Threat and all that stuff, uh, you know, and the Germs and Circle Jerks, as great as it all is, none of them sound as good as this. And I know that on the next album, um, was it More Beer? Yeah. More, more Beer. He took a year to produce that. Uh, you know, and it's funny thinking somebody could take that long to produce songs that are a minute long. But, uh, you know, it does have a unique sound. I absolutely love this. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, this is one of my favorites on here. It's a pure punk anthem. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, this is the first song I ever heard, Fuck You. When I was, you know, was, that's fucking awesome for a young lad as myself at the time. You know, <clears throat> a pissed off, a not giving a flying fuck of for society song uh, not really how I hang but you know it's me and my stupid feelings it's pissed off it's not giving a flying fuck about society I fucking love this goddamn song and uh, I would love to cover this one I'm, and I said earlier I don't know if I yeah I said it earlier right we're gonna cover uh, mm-hmm. let's other, have a war let's have a war but I love this song not my favorite on here but it's one of my favorites but yeah alright I'll take the next one New York's alright if you like saxophones Man, do I love this one. Just a driving song with some hooky melodies. Love the way Lee delivers this. I love the sax solos because it's fucking sloppy. It fits that punk music perfectly. The lyric is from pure experience, I guess. Uh, It's fucking hilarious, you know. You know, New York's all right if you like a drunk in the hallway and this and that. You know, it's like fucking awesome. I absolutely love uh, New York's all right if you love like saxophone. And every time that sax solo comes in, I can't help but laugh. And I always think about, you know, those Rolling Stone darling assholes. It's like, yeah, yeah. You like this shit? I wonder what they thought of this album. They probably were pissed that they made the, the saxophone sloppy and not perfect like Clarence Clemens. <laughs> but I love it. I love this song. It's fucking awesome. And I hate saxophones. But boy, do I like it on this song. Thank you. What do you think, uh, Mr. T? I'm honestly surprised you love this. I know you do not like wind instruments. Yeah, um, but I, I like it when it's yeah. played badly. It's awesome. It's like <laughs> making fun of the saxophone. I, how can I not love that? Yeah, I mean, I, I am right with you. Matter of fact, this is my favorite song off this album. Fucking love this. Love everything about it. And what I really, I mean, yeah, I really do dig um, Durf Scratch's sax playing. I think it's great. It's perfect. Fits with this. But also... An unsung part of this is um, Spit Sticks is drumming, because listen to that bass and you realize he ha- he has a fucking single kick 
bass drum, and he's in that boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I mean, it's not the most technical, but man, that is a physically demanding bass part for this, and I absolutely love this. Another song they played on SNL, you know, like New York's right, like art and jazz. If you're a homosexual. Um, yeah, I dig this fucking song. Love it. My fave. Always loved it when I first heard it. Just hit that funny bone. It still does all these years later. How about you there, Ian? Oh, fuck yeah. I love it. And I think it's so punk that they make fun of New York, you know, because New York is always held like, oh, you know, it's cultural. It, it's it's this and that, you know. It's artsy-fartsy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, but, but, you know, people in New York, hate LA and vice versa. you know they're la la land you, you know and uh you know it's it's fake and you know New York is real and, and dirty and gritty and I believe Lee is actually from the East Coast. He's from Philadelphia so they don't like New York either so yeah uh, but but you, you know what I mean though that the, New York was always seen yeah New York's hard you know LA's soft but fear was an LA band uh, and I just love that they attacked him and, and just that in itself. Now, what sucks is uh, Lee re-recorded this whole album with the current lineup. Never heard back, it. Back in 2012, I think. And they said that some of the lyrics were changed. And I I haven't heard it yet either, but he said to, uh, to tone down the homophobia. And like, really? You know... It's like you do not want politically correct fear, and and even like what he he says, it's all right if you're a homosexual. I mean, what's I mean, I've heard a lot more offensive shit than that. You know, if you've ever heard an interview uh, a review with Greg Barnes, you, you know that's more offensive. It's just uh, too it's too political correct because if you really think about it, I mean, he's thinking about all this stuff like a drunk in a hallway, a homosexual. It's like. What's the difference? It's true yeah. you're a homosexual. It's true you're a drunk in a hallway. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, it's just a, a little too sensitive. To, to, you know, okay, I can understand maybe other songs, but this one is like, New York is all right if you're a homosexual. What's so bad about that? I don't get it, you know? I don't either, man. It's like, punk is not... You can't go and PC up the offensive side of punk. It's, it's, you cannot do it. It's supposed to be offensive. But I don't I mean, find I, it. I, I really don't yeah. find it offensive in this song. Because no, it's, it's not. Like, I mean, I said, hey, it, yeah, you'll like it if you're gay. You'll like the fucking New York. Yeah. Oh, but you said gay, ah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like they're, they're stretching it on this. Thing. I mean, shit. Go listen, like the Meatman. They had a whole song about fucking like little girls, and uh, it's yeah, and it's pretty explicit. No, so I mean, this well, is not. not right. Yeah. So, but it's they're being offensive and. You gotta let, if you're gonna be offensive, let them just do what they want to do. And this is actually this isn't even all that offensive. I mean, right. maybe in 1982 it was, but now I don't think it is. But well, I guess now it's even worse because of all the extra PC oh, shit. Don't believe me, it's worse today than it was in '82. Trust me, it wasn't yeah. that people weren't that fucking sensitive back then, you know, as they are today. They weren't. I mean, yeah, there were uh, you know social police back then, but not as bad as today. Because today they really stretched it like. Like, you know, you can't say anything, not even joking around, oh, you know? I know, I know, it, it sucks. And, and here's here's something, I haven't, I, I've talked to Ralph about this off air, but, uh, and I don't know when this episode's gonna air, because we're backlogging a lot right now, but I left the page for the fucking Rock and Pot Expo 
because when all this shit went down with fucking, uh, you know, Vinnie Vincent and everything and people bagging on him, I put up a, <clears throat> I, I made a meme. Uh, it, it's a mugshot of Joyce DeWitt from Three's Company, who looks a lot like Vinnie Vincent. And <laughs> and I put, I put fuck Vinnie Vincent and whatever bathroom he uses. You know, it's a play on fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got fucking attacked by this guy. Like, going off about how, you know, misogynistic and homophobic I am. And, you know, know, I'm offending the whole LMNOP community and shit. And I'm like, what? You know, turns out the guy's got a gay kid. And I was like, so what? So what's your gay? I, I go, I'm not attacking the whole community. I'm making fun of Vinnie Vincent. Okay, but man, everybody, and keep in mind, you know, I am the Republican-hating fucking, you know, quasi-liberal. I'm more independent, but I guess I have liberal leanings. But it's like, God damn, I'm not attacking the whole thing. And then everybody jumped on me in this fucking group. Like, oh, that's not right. That's insensitive. There's no need to go there. I'm like, it's a fucking joke. I'm making fun of one fucking person that prances around in heels in a pantsuit, you know? And I can't make a joke about what fucking bathroom he uses. And... Like, I'm the biggest gay hater. I mean, how many episodes we had Greg Barnes on? Uh, you, you know, yeah, you and yourself. Yeah. And the thing is, I have so many gay and lesbian friends, and they know my sense of humor, and they know where my heart is. They know I don't have hate for them, but I'll make a joke. But I don't have hate for anybody, you know, like that. You know, well, I, I have... Sammy Hagar Trump, but... I have a cousin that's gay. And he got so, such a kick off my cover of YMCA. Did you ever see that on YouTube? I did a cover of YMCA. The, the I, I think I might have a long time ago. Where it's like, young man. I'm like, who are you guys? Go there. <laughs> well, go where? To the YMCA. <laughs> you guys look stupid. Oh, man, you guys are gay. Dude, my cousin was like, he wrote me going, oh, my God, I couldn't stop laughing at that. But I got a lot of comments like, oh, fuck you with this and that. And, you know, the people getting offended. I'm saying it. You know, like my gay cousin loved this, you know, because he knows me. You know what I mean? But you know, I got I, I got something to say about those people that left me those negative comments and those people that got butt hurt over that that thing. You know what that is? Let's have a war so they can go yeah. die. Thank you. And, and I don't this, care about you. Fuck you. And the sickening thing is, I find out it's usually straight people that get offended more that consider themselves the fucking thought police. You know, you know than actual gay people. You know, I've a gay friend that listens to the show and when she heard the uh you know the andrew jacobs you know the come to my window thing she was dying laughing thought it was brilliant thought it was great wasn't offended at all you know she knows my sense of humor that's why i find it so weird like leaving of all people would like you know feel the i i, I guess the the, the urge to change something like this that, that really is tame, if you ask me. Especially compared to some of the shit, you know, I've said. You know, this is, this is fucking tame. But yeah, it sucks with, with shit like this, you know, because everything gets taken to an extreme. Like, I, I think so, sometimes changing people's attitudes and the way they look at it can be held, like a little bit, but then somebody always takes it to the next fucking level that just makes the whole thing preposterous and fucks it up for everybody. Like this whole me too shit you know you know yeah you know chick shouldn't get forced into like, like a lot of shit and have to put up with a lot of shit but then it just it goes like this whole another level to where if you say my you look nice today all of a sudden you're a fucking rapist 
You know, it, it just they take it way too fucking far. Wait, hold on, Ian. Did you just say chicks shouldn't be treated like that? What did you initially say about Me Too movement? That chicks shouldn't be forced? Is that what you said? Yeah. All right, hold on, hold on. I got, let me let me take some notes here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dead girls don't say no. Yeah, what's wrong with necrophilia? You know? <laughs> Not hurting anybody. Ah, so microwaves are for. The, 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 the dead chicks don't wince when you come on their face. Yeah, that's why I'm. You know, everybody's worried about the zombie apocalypse. I was married. I fucked a corpse for three years. It ain't that bad. <laughs> well, any girl turns into a corpse after three years. All you married people <laughs> know this. I don't. Well, then you just assume. Maybe, maybe the passion's still alive in my relationship. Hey, <laughs> that's oh, the funniest sh- shit you ever said. Oh shit! Never mind. You're right. <laughs> it's. I'm living a lie. Just force her next time. Put some spice <laughs> into it. Yeah, yeah. Give me if that like, phone. There'll be no hashtagging. I'm getting laid. If you like roofie coladas. And getting caught in the rain? Yep. Oh, so that's what I think about New York's all right if you like saxophones. <laughs> What's the next track? Uh, give me some action. Um, This one's all right. I, I see it as kind of a kind of like Camarillo. I like it more than Camarillo, but uh, I still see it as kind of filler. I mean, it is real short. This one's under a minute. Uh, it, it's all right, but there's not enough lyrically or musically to, to make it stand out to me. Not not horrible, but not definitely not stand out. What do you think, Mister T? Um, yeah, give me some action. This is. A very standard, I would say, a very standard punk song. It's fast. It's just, and it's just all about, you know, get up and get in the pit and fuck each other up. It's, you know, that said, it is short. It's, I think, it is the shortest one off the album. But man, I still fucking love this. I got no complaints. It's, it is, you know, it is one that actually I think makes this more grounded in, like early hardcore. Because it sounds like a lot of the other ones, so it would. I would say that if this falls towards the lower half of the songs for me on this, but I still got no real complaints. I mean, it could probably be a little longer, but other than that, yep, dig it. How about you, Ralph? Oh fuck yeah! Slamming song about slam dancing. It, you know, it may be punk, but this is what thrash was all about when it came when it turned into moshing layer. You know, I was addicted to moshing by the late 80s. And this is the perfect song to fuck shit up to. Uh, if this was a thrash song, I'll admit, it would not have that same fire musically. Uh, this version is, you know, I haven't heard anybody cover this, but I really doubt anybody can do this better than this version because it has that raw... And I know you guys are talking about, well, this is very well produced for a punk album. Yes, but I think it's still... Uh, sounds very punky. Very yeah, the attitude's raw. Yeah, and it, I, I, feel, I find the production raw, but not bad. You know, not like a bad production, but it's raw. You know, the, it's not like you know fucking Rick Allen on drums. You know, it yeah. has that. It has that. You know, lo-fi drum beat. You know, attack and and uh, I I can't see anybody better this song. Uh, I absolutely love this song. All right, I go to the next one. Foreign policy. <clears throat> 
Another classic and crazy and vicious this song is. You know, and it has this hook. It's hooky. I find this song has a hook to it. You know, I love that straightforward verse, then the catchy chorus. Another winner, and, and like I said, Megadeth did a cover of this, but their cover's really good, but it doesn't have that raw. It, it, Megadeth turned, but what Megadeth did to this song, they made it Megadeth. You know, they did, they, you know, with the solo. This one doesn't have that solo, and and uh, Megadeth did a fucking this this song justice. But it, it ain't no original version, man. It's something about... I don't think Fear can get covered better until you guys hear what I'm going to do with fucking uh, Let's Have a War. I'm finally yeah. going to do Fear and some justice, man. Me and Elsie, we're going to fuck shit up. Thank you. What do you think of foreign policy, Arian? Hello? What do you think of foreign policy? Oh, yeah, man. I fucking love this one. Uh... This one, I, I mean, a great rebound because I think the music on this is awesome. I was expecting a little bit more with the lyrics. Because, uh, like I said, that's something I listened to a lot but didn't pay attention a lot to the lyrics, so I thought it was going to be more controversial. Uh, but I dig it, man. I, to, this one's all about the music to me. And, and I, I do like, you know, the weakness is a disease, will bury you, it's manifest destiny. I mean that that's that's fucking awesome lyrics right there. Hatred is purity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kicks that. Definitely one of the best tracks on here. I would say in my uh, probably top four. Top four, man. I love this one. How about you, Mister T? Yes, yeah, so we close out the first side of the old vinyl with foreign policy, um, and this song even closes with a nuclear explosion. Yeah, that's our foreign policy. It's gonna fuck you up. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this one too. This, I mean, you all said it's just great. It's a great song. You know, it's just, it's kind of like just barking out minor slogans. And, but yeah, it's no complaints. I used to think back then maybe this should have closed out the album because you have that nuclear explosion. But I mean, but we'll get to the actual closer when we get to it. But yeah, so far for me, we're seven for seven. I love this whole first side. But the beauty of uh, the vinyl age, you know, this was kind of like a closer of the first half, you know? You don't get that yeah. same that same effect if you listen to this shit on CD, which I've never no, owned on don't. CD. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're going to flip this puppy over, and we get We Destroy the Family. And this was a song that took me a while to grow to. I mean, when I first heard it back in the day, I wasn't the biggest fan. Now I absolutely fucking love this. It's a little disjointed. It It's not an actual punk song it just feels a little almost experimentally it has you know i think it's one of the few songs that has a guitar solo in it it's a very a kind of disjointed guitar solo and it's a, it's definitely this is not your standard time this is an this is an off time signature as well they're just showing that this was a band this was a punk band that had more musical talent than most punk bands did back in this time so yeah we destroy the family fucking love this one now it's i really do dig this one how about you ralph oh i love this one the groove on this is amazing you know love what the drummer is doing on here it's the same groove sepultura did later on blood Buddy roots but that shit sucks this is fucking great you know this doesn't sound as fake as like these guys trying to hey look let's get back to our tribal roots here it works for me 
you know, and that we destroy the family, we destroy the family vocal part during the solo. You know how he's saying it like low. It's so, yeah, it's so fucking cool. Uh, not the most wholesome lyrics. Uh, I love this one as well. A, a different flavor for the album. It takes a, you know, so far everything we heard, it's like sounds like a fear song. This one is like. Like what you were saying, they're different. They're more, they have more musicality, and they threw this song in that's showing a different, a whole different side of this band halfway through the album, which is, I think it's placed perfectly. You know, where it's not what you expect. So I, I love it. I love we destroy the family, Ian. Not to piggyback on what Doctor Fuck just said, but uh, yeah, I totally fucking agree. I love this one, but this is one I got right from the get go. Uh, and I just love how it stuck out and musically way fucking different. And it just, uh, e- even though, I don't know, the lyric, I love the simplicity of the lyrics. I think it works with the with the music. You know, it just, it has an eerie fucking feeling. And com- it kind of reminds me like almost like Dead Kennedys, like uh, just really branching out on this one. I fucking dig it. Classic. Love it. Loved it live. Thought it was great. Mm. Well, I'll take the next one. All right. Well, the other one that people who don't even know fear, you know, of course, and people have never heard this record. I'm sure you heard I Don't Care About You and this song. I love living in the city. Oh, I mean, fucking classic. And it it's so similar to I Don't Care About You, <laughs> like with different lyrics, but kind of, but the same, you know, message. And I am totally about this. I am a city fucking person. I, I, I don't like, you, you know, the fucking country and I don't need, you know, wide open spaces and all that fucking shit. I grew up, you know, I spent my childhood out in the country and I fucking hated it. Hated it. I could not wait for the weekends when I go see my dad's parents. And, and, and that was even the suburbs, but that was the city compared to where I fucking grew up. And then when I could drive, it's like spend as much time in Chicago as I could. And man, when I lived in fucking Florida, I lived in, you know, podunk fucking, you know, kind of beach suburbs, if you will. And, and oh, I couldn't handle it, man. I like living in a big city. And even here, a lot of people I work with, I work in New Orleans. I live in New Orleans. A lot of people come from, you know, neighboring towns because they can't handle the city. They're like, oh my God, you live in New Orleans? Oh my God. You know, like, fuck you. You know, I, I want to hear sirens and gunshots. That shit helps me sleep. I hear fucking crickets. I'm like, oh, white people, I'm going to get raped. You know? Uh, fucking terrible. I love the city, and I, I love being where the action is. I love a little element of danger. You know, I work with people like, oh God, I'm to the French Quarter, you could get... You could get mugged. You could get robbed. Like, have a little bit of fucking, you know, take a chance, you fucking pussy. Live life. Like, when I die, I don't want to die from fucking cancer. I want to get eaten by a shark. That's cool. You know, that, that's, oh, how did he die? Oh, he got eaten by a fucking shark. Oh, that's awesome, you know? Or how did he die? Oh, cancer got him, you know? Fuck that shit. I want adventure. I want dirt, grit. I want to be where the action is. And I totally feel this song, man. I love this shit. Uh, probably my second favorite track. I want to die in a nuclear explosion so I don't miss, miss anything. <laughs> hey, that says something too, you know. That's bombastic. Yeah. What do you think, Mr. T? 
Yeah, I. This is this is my second favorite song. Too. I absolutely love this one. I'm also like Ian. I grew up in cities, and I think like I said before, a lot of us we tend to forget that a lot of cities in the U.S., especially in the eastern part of the U.S., were really kind of shitty in this, in this in this time period. I mean, even and like I said, and definitely in the East Coast. I mean, New York City was a fucking hellhole, and Philadelphia they all were. Even like even in fucking Cincinnati where I was living in the downtown part stunk, and but I love that shit. I mean, I. I love like that little bit of danger, whatever. The fact that yeah, it's it's kind of cool, but it's also like man, this place is a fucking hellhole, and and that's what this song is for me. It's like yeah, it's you know I'm you know I was like I'm so clean cut, but I was just one of some fuck some slut, whatever. It's like yeah, I mean that's I love this shit. Absolutely love this song. So far, shit, we're nine for nine for me. How about you there, Ralph? Miami's very underrated for a dirtbag city, but believe me, you, this place is dirtbag central. And I believe in murder statistics. We're we're in the top five. Fuck yeah, Miami. You got we'll the make, cocaine, we'll make, and you we'll get the number, power. Yeah. yeah, we got we got this major drug problem where people are getting killed left and right. It's like it's like mini Mexico down here. Anyway, um, <clears throat> they're Cubans, Ralph. There's a difference, okay? Big difference. Finally, you realize now you can stop calling me wetback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, all right, this is the most popular one. This is my favorite. It was my favorite as a kid, and to this day, it's still my favorite song on the album. The lyrics are as filthy as anything you find in here. It is a fucking anthem. I absolutely love it. It's catchy, it's hooky, it's got the, you know, it really, this one I identify with more than any song. And when I was a little kid, I remember Henry taking me to go get a hooker. Uh, when I was a little kid, I had sex with a black hooker. <laughs> yeah. He took me to go get it. This is the guy that actually turned me on to It's pure coincidence, but it's the guy that turned me on to this album. Uh, late at night, he took me and we both uh, screwed a hooker. You know, I went in first and he paid for it. And it was in Liberty City, which Liberty City has not changed at all. And when I think of this song, I think of Liberty City. You know, I, hey, look, you know how bad Liberty City is? I'll, I'll give you a great example. Both of you identify. There's an actual Martin Luther King Boulevard on Liberty City. Now you know, you know. There's, when some, there's, there's some violence going on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, where there's a Martin Luther King Boulevard, you know. You know it's a bad neighborhood. Yeah, we got one here, too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Everyone's you know, got one. Martin Luther King Boulevard, you know to avoid that boulevard. I had a dream to rip you off. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely love this song. M.O.D. does a great cover of this on Gross Misconduct. Uh, it, it's pretty much the same fucking song. They don't really change it. Anymore. And, you know, M.O.D.'s an awesome band, so they did this song justice. No, I absolutely love uh, I Love Living in the City. Classic. All right, take the next one. Disconnected. This one is too disjointed for me. I never liked this song. And, and also, I don't, dis- I don't subscribe to this theology of this song. This is, to me, it sounds like shock for the sake of being shocking. Uh, This is, to me, the worst song on the album. What do you think, Mr. T? Are you 10 for 10 now? Uh, yeah. Um, this, but this one is, this is one of my, definitely one of my lower ones, too. It's, because, because, like you said, it is disjointed, but there was a lot of this type of stuff going on in, like, other punk albums at this time. The things are just a little, just... I mean, just disjointed just for the sake of being disjointed. I was thinking, like, almost all, has almost like a naked ray gunny kind of feel on spots with, like, the guitar part at least. And yeah, this is definitely like 
this is probably one of them. This is what this is like the most. I'd say the most offensive lyrics are probably in this one. Really? It has like what you know. Yeah, it says "fucking none," isn't it? Well, what's um, offensive about that? They're yeah. nothing. Good, hold, good, wholesome fun. Yeah, they don't get none. They need some. It's yeah. tight. It's tight. Yes. Well, unless they, unless they have big candles in the church. So. Um. <laughs> well, hey, remember, I worshipped uh, my Savior Jesus Christ. Watch, watch your tongue there, sir. Blasphemy. Blasphemous. Hey, like lights out by ten, candles out by eleven. Um. So, yeah, I, I do dig this one, but it it I will admit this one is lower on it because it is just it. It has like little fast bits, and it just goes off this disjointed slower parts here and there and just disconnected it's just really about fuck society this uh yeah but i do love this one still how about you ian well just like the other terrence this is where i school you bastards uh i love the fucking lyrics on this why do you like it you son of a bitch (laughs) does it kick recon ass yes (laughs) hoo Uh, this is the best song in their canon. Um, and, uh, I, I, lyrics don't bother me one fucking bit. Yeah, fuck the government. Fuck religion. Beat a corpse. I don't give a shit. Uh, middle class is a bunch of homos. The only thing that takes me out of this song is the music. I agree totally with what Ralph said about the music. If they had a better beat to this, I think it'd be one of the better songs, but... The music is what kills it for me. The lyrics don't bother me one fucking bit. But, uh, yeah, the music knocks it down a bit. But then we go into their cover of The Animals. We gotta get out of this place. And I love this fucking one. I love what they did with it. I'm a fan of The Animals. I like the original. Uh, And I like that they totally did a different take on it. Uh, Without changing the lyrics, they just changed it totally musically. Uh, does seem a little bit out of place on the record, but I think it's good. So fucking leave it. It's not the worst song. That shit's coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh yeah. But, but uh, uh, yeah. I got no problems with. We got to get out of this place. What do you think, Mister T? Yeah, I'm eleven for eleven because I love this shit too. Um, to me, this sounds like um, "Are We Not Men? We Are Devo" era doing this song. It has a very early Devo feel to me. But I love I love Devo, so I have no complaints on that. I do dig this. They they did make this kind of their own, I think. But there was like just copying, say what Devo. I think how Devo would have done it. But yeah, back in the day, I wasn't the biggest fan of this, but it definitely grew on me as time went on. So, but yeah, I, I do. I I really like what they did with this. Love it. How about you, there, Ralph? You know, one of my favorite songs of all time is "House of the Rising Sun." I absolutely love that. So I'd put that shit in my top ten. I absolutely love that song. This one I never liked. Uh, we got to get out of this place. But um, I uh, I don't really hate this song. It's just there. But I actually like this version that Fear does more. But for comedic values. And yes, it totally to me sounds like Devo. The guitar things going on. Total Devo. You know, it's a goof to the Animal song. It's amusing. But it's not that great. Uh... But, you know, I'll take it over the animal version, but, you know, just yeah, will comedic, too. comedic versions. But, uh, you know, who does a cover of this that's very hard to find is Overkill does. Uh, we got to get out of this place. And they don't do it like fear. They do it like, well, they do it like Overkill. It doesn't sound like the animal version either. Where's that? Uh, What's that on? 
I don't know where the fuck that's on, but I'll send it to you. No, I mean, I'll send it to Mr. X to send it to you. I have yeah. it. I do have it. And, uh, yeah, they recorded that. And I don't know where my buddy, uh, Don sent me it. Well, I didn't send me it. He burned me a CD with covers and that was on there. And I remember asking, where the fuck's that from? And he was like, I, I think he told me where it was from, but he, I know, I remember him saying that shit's unreleased. You can't get that anywhere. I was like, wow. You know, and it's really good. What I over, I, I like overkill's version even more than the fear and the animal version. Uh, but you know, it's not in the right home about either. I'm just saying it's better than the three than the other two, but okay, whatever. Hmm, all right, here we go. For, uh, for, uh, fresh flesh is the next one. And boy, I like this one too. It's a grimy tune. It's ugly. You know, the coming in your face part. I didn't really get as a kid. Now it's my favorite sexual act. It brings that act of sex to a climactic ending. That is pure. Awesome. Facials rule. But I, I dig this song. Uh, not, not, not really much I got to say about it, except that one line, uh, you know, come in your face. I was like, I didn't know what that meant as a kid when I first heard this. I was like, oh, all right, all right, all right. But uh, it's good. What do you think, uh, Ian? Um, this one to me is just all right. Now, this is one I kind of feel this way, how you felt about Disconnected. I think that this is just trying to be, uh, you know, shocking with the lyrics. I mean, it doesn't offend me, but uh, I identify more with Disconnected than I than I do this one. But uh, I, I dig it, uh, but it's not a standout track. Okay. What do you think, Mr. T? Yeah, this is the 12th song in this album. It's a nice, wholesome song about raping a woman who just shows up in the city. Uh, yeah, I, I do dig this one. It isn't one of my faves. Um, I have to agree with Ian. I think this is more of a shock for shock sake. That said, I, I do I do dig it. I got no real complaints. So, so far, I'm 12 for 12. Now it's in the 13th track. Um, getting Ain't the no brush. way you're going to like this one. Come yeah, on. You're, party you're major the nut, party like fucking stops right here. Yeah, no shit. This song is awful. The, oh, my God. God, I okay. Durf Scratch wrote this one. He was the bass and sax player. He would later say that this song was basically about him not being able to get any songs on the album. That's why I actually left after this because, you know, if you write the shit, you get paid more. And he knew that. And he was, you know, he only has writing credits on two songs. This is one of them. And this is horse shit. I mean, just pure USDAA grade horse shit. And it's like the second longest song in the fucking album. It, it feels like the longest. Yeah, it really it's does. It's the second epic on this album at two holy, minutes and thirty-two seconds. <laughs> but holy fuck balls! This this song felt like it felt like it took ten minutes. It's just terrible. It's slow. It's boring. Ugh! I never liked this. And even listening to it again ages later, it's, it has not grown to me at all. How about you, there, Ralph? What the fuck does getting the brush mean? What is he trying to say in this? Uh, getting the brush is a term for like... Uh, getting blown getting, off. Yeah, yeah, they don't want nothing to do oh, with you. Oh, to brush you off. Okay. Yeah, like you're hitting on a chick and you know, she gives you the brush. It means get out of here. Yeah, I hate this one. It's mundane. It's artsy-fartsy. Uh, this one just ain't my bag, daddy. What do you think, Ian? Oh, yeah, I agree. Worst song on the fucking album. Sticks out like a sore thumb and... No wonder this guy ain't the band no more. <laughs> you know, you're writing shit like this. No, yeah, you're not gonna get songs, you know, on the fucking record. 
has has no place on this. Yeah, between writing this and also introducing John Belushi to heroin, yeah. Um, yeah, not a fan of this guy. But uh, hey, he's dead. So yeah, good thing he's dead. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> died of liver disease, and he would he would go on to be a realtor after he <laughs> he left fear. He got the brush for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh God! Shut up. Here, here we go. Blasphemer. <laughs> go, listen, go listen to Yahweh. I forgive you. <laughs> oh, cool. How Christian of you. Uh, yeah, man. What what a fucking turd. What a turd. Because there's a there's a song. If you have the CD as a bonus track on this, that should have been on the album and take this fucking shit off. Uh, not a fan, but we'll go into what closes the traditional album out. No more nothing. Uh, I love this fucking one, man. I, and I, I think it's a great way to end the record. Uh, just fucking bitching about everything. And I can dig that, man. I like it musically. I like it lyrically. It's classic fear to me. Great song. What do you think, Miss? Or what do you think, Ralph? I think this is piss poor. Actually, I I, I don't like this song. I mean, oh, wow. it is. At least it's slamming, but I think the lyrics are dumb, bitching about everything, and then then he also says no more whining during it. It's like Jesus. The whole song is whining. You're talking about no more whining. I guess I can't identify this because I don't like bitching because I ain't a bitch. But I forgive you, Ian. <laughs> Mr. T. Yes. Um, yeah, I think we close this album off with... We close off on the right foot, at least, because I do love this one. Like, I think now maybe foreign policy should end it because now I'm just going to get all 14 songs or 15 if you include the bonus track on the CD reissue. Um, but yeah, I think No More Nothing. Yeah, that's it. The end of the album. No More Nothing. Nothing. And for me, that kind of was my thought with Fear too, because I was not a fan of More Beer. Um, I didn't really like it back then. I, it's, a, it's a hard pass. Um, I know. It's I don't know why. It, it just there's something magical about this album because yeah, 14 songs, 27 minutes long, and I love 13 of them. This to me is like the best hardcore album ever made. And yeah, no more nothing. So, but there is a bonus track on the CD reissue, which I guess we can yes. go into. Yeah. Um, what song is it? Fuck Christmas. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. Um, they couldn't really replace getting the brush at fuck Christmas because this song is like 44 seconds long and getting the brush is like 10 years long. And, uh, but no, I do love this one. It's just a simple, nice fuck Christmas. Uh, so one of the, probably the more honest Christmas songs out there, if you ask me. So yeah, I dig this one. How about you there, Ralph? Oh, man, this is a beautiful Christmas ditty. I have this on a Christmas mix I made. I always play this at Christmas. Um, I love the way it starts with the little kids and, you know, all Christmassy bullshit. And then all of a sudden it goes into this, you know, crazy, you know, uh, punk rock. Fuck Christmas, fuck Christmas. You know, it is very novelty-ish. But, hey, man, it makes the point, like, you know. This one goes really good next to No Presents Till Christmas. And then uh, Christmas with the Devil by Spinal Tap. I think I wedged them in between on that mix CD. But, yeah, I dig it. It's too short, though. I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah, punk rock and... Mental, I don't know. Maybe, you know, another extra line bitching about kids on Christmas uh, in a faster punk rock motion, I think, would have been a nice addition to this track. Make it at least two minutes long, you know? Uh, but I dig it. What do you think, Ian? 
Well, anybody who listens to this show knows I fucking hate Christmas music. I do not hate Christmas. I hate Christmas music. So that must mean you like this song. I love this fucking song. Fuck Christmas. Fuck the Nazarene. Praise hey! Allah. Whoa. Whoa. Hey. Whoa, 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 I'm Akbar. Yeah, right? You know, Ian, you know it's fucked up? When you die and you go to heaven, the 14 virgins they give you are boys. Uh, I'll make it work. <laughs> Just don't look down. Hey, I'm already in heaven. What do I care about? I can't get in trouble, you know? A hole's a hole. Oh, that's right. You ain't going to heaven. <laughs> there is no heaven. There is no heaven. Grow up, people. Grow the fuck up. Shut up. Thank you. Thank you. Shut up. La, 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 la. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. La, 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 la. Come on, Bob Dobbs, man. Eternal salvation to triple your money back. I'm all like, fuck Christmas, fuck Christmas, fuck Christmas. But I love you, Jesus. <laughs> Happy birthday. Uh, all right. Well, that is the record. Released May 16th, 1982. Produced by Gary LeBeau, who I have no idea who he is or if he produced anything else. Uh, I don't know he how changed, well. He changed his name to Bill Wang. Oh. All right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> which it should be mentioning while we're recording this, uh, Bill uh, Wayne yeah. had, had a gay pride march with Lee Gersman. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> they're trying to get. All on right, a float. all right, all right. They're trying to get on a float. That's just hilarious. Lee Gersman's carrying around a sign that says "I heart I cock." Yeah, <laughs> I, show, I showed that video to my coworker yesterday. He couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, I, I don't know how well this did when it came out, but it's definitely uh, has legendary cult status now. And uh, something I, I was just looking up while we were talking, man. They do have a reissue on vinyl on 180 gram. Ah, oh, good. It, you does can it pick have, it up. Does it, does it but that's the reissue, though, right? What's that? That's the reissue. It's not like the original or. Yeah, yeah, no. It, it got reissued in uh, like 2010 on 180 gram. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have Fuck Christmas. I mean, oh, they bummer. could. You know, because they have the space for it, but then I kind of agree with the purity of it. You know, yeah, uh, don't yeah, bog I'm, it. I'm, I'm, yeah, me too. Yeah, don't bog it down with special shit. Just you know, do a better sounding reproduction of the great. You know, and I'm sure this would sound great on 180. Yeah, get it on Amazon for like 19 bucks. That's so. awesome, Mr. T. You must get me that. <laughs> get right on it. So uh, yeah, but I'm I'm definitely gonna be ordering that. Fuck yeah, I'd love to have. Yeah, this. me too, man. Right when we're done with this. Uh, so yeah, well now it's time to go into pick of the week, and Mr. T, you are our special guest. What All is right. your pick of the week? So for my pick, I was looking at what else was released in 1982. In particular, oh. yes, Toto, Toto. Yes, I, I love Toto. I miss the rains on an Africa. Um, in particular, what what punk albums released in '82? And there was actually these. There's actually a bunch of good ones. You had um. Dead Kennedys had plastic surgery disasters. Uh, yes. The bad, the bad brains. first album came out then, um, titled Bad Brains. Um, fuck man. Uh, see, the Clash had Combat Rock. Not my favorite Clash album, but still, it doesn't suck. Um, Descendants. Milo goes to college. Was that year? Um, oh, I love that album. Yeah. Um, Milo Goes to College is another great, great fucking album. Yeah, and, it is. And I guess you can say it's punk, but goddamn, is it hooky and melodic, too, you know? Yeah. That's I a think, great album. 
They, I think they were more like the Ramones branch yeah. of punk. Like just go like go for the hooks and be a little more poppy, which yeah, which yeah. works. And That's um, another album, and I own that on vinyl, a newer one. I bought that at uh, Urban. What is it called? Urban Warfare, whatever the fuck. Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters. I saw it there. I was like, oh shit, they got this. I gotta get it. Because I've always had that on CD. And um, but mine is um, the pick, the one I picked. It's a little, it's a fairly obscure, and and also, um, here's a little backstory. If you ever say go went to the Ironcast Podbean page and wondered how come our URL is not Ironcast, but Angry Samoans. Samoans. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's because the same year that this that Fear the Record came out, the Angry Samoans released back from Samoa. And Is that the one with the creature holding a decapitated head on it? Sure is, sir. I yeah. remember seeing that in magazines back in the day. I don't think I yeah. ever heard that album. Oh, I love this fucking album. This is this is classic this is a classic punk album in that it's fourteen songs, seventeen and a half minutes long. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they half the songs are under a minute. And maybe over half, but I used to love this fucking band back in the day. It was, it, but yeah, Angry Samoans back from Samoa. Definitely go and check this one out. So, and supposedly the uh, the guy who the singer for this band, uh, Metal Mike Saunders, supposedly he's the guy who originally coined the term heavy metal because he used it in reviewing. Um, forget who the fuck it was back in like 1970. Alice uh, Cooper. No, I'm forgetting who the fuck it was. Let me take a look real quick. Because I remember some um, documentary said... Oh, humble, from- humble Pie. Okay. Humble Pie is as safe as yesterday back in November of 70 in the Rolling Stone. Um, so, yeah, but I'd say definitely go and check out the Angry Samoans is uh, back from Samoa. That's you my know, pick. You know why they're angry? Because Donald Samoan. Trump keeps them in cages. A lot of people don't know about that. They think it's just Mexican kids, but he keeps Samoans in cages, too. Well, you gotta v- keep the ang- you gotta keep the angry ones in cages. Viva la Trump! Hey, Jimmy Snooker loved being in a cage. <laughs> it's one of his best matches in a cage. Donald Trump busted a pineapple over his head. That's terrible and racist. I love Donald Trump. Pro Trump. Uh, yeah, you are just like Justin Childers. <laughs> uh, so, what's your pick, hey. Ralph? Oh shit! Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, What's your pick there, Ralph? Uh, Jesus. Uh, Ian, go. I'm trying to look. <laughs> he picked some Mexican kids and threw them in a cage. Uh, oh, They're not Cuban, though. Those are wetbacks. <laughs> They're all brown to Trump. Uh, no, my... Obama Obama did that. Remember that. Oh, that's right. You can't, you can't, you can't admit when Obama they did all, something. They all did it. All right. Well, my pick of the week. Uh, involves Mr. Lee Ving. And that is an album he did with Dave Mustaine entitled MD45. And I remember when this first came out, I was starting to lose interest in uh, Megadeth. But I was curious, because I'd already known Fear by this point. And I remember going to a house party, and I was talking to somebody there, and they had picked it up. And I was like, well, how is it? And he's like, eh, eh. So I, I, I didn't get it for years. And then finally... Uh, I went back and got it, and I gotta admit, it was a grower. At first, I wasn't sure, but man, it really, really fucking grew on me because the music is great, 
Lee's voice is great. And then Mustaine went back when he was doing uh, the first batch of Megadeth remasters, and he put it out. Uh, he he took all of Lee's vocals off, and and sang it himself. And I heard that, and then it made me appreciate the original that much fucking more. I'm like, oh god, he's like, yeah. Well, all my fans came to me and they said, I want to hear you sing it, Dave. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was like somebody in the band that he paid to say that. Because uh, yeah, it, it totally, yeah, it, it was it was written with that style in mind. Uh, I mean, yeah, half the lyrics Dave did write, the other half Lee Ving wrote. But uh, were those the same? Was those, wait, were those the same fans that were like moshing in one of their videos that were actually from another concert? Yeah, exactly. The concert I was at, you fucking posers. I was Pantera, not fucking Megadeth. Oh, oh! If I ever meet him, I'm gonna bring that up. Son of a bitch. Um, but yeah, I, I suggest. Have, have you ever heard that one, Mr. T? Uh, no, I do know of it, but I never heard it. Yeah, check it out, and and I would, you know, give it a couple spins because I don't know if it's something that you'd totally get at first. But uh, I went listen to it today after I listened to you know this record twice in 20 minutes. Uh, I was like, ah, man, I ain't listened to, to that in a while. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. Forgot how good it was. Uh, so I highly recommend that. MD45, The Craving. That is yeah, my pick sure, of the week. You sure did forget how that album was because just last week, uh, your pick of the week was the same album, but you said Mustaine's version was better than Lee Bing's. Did I? <laughs> you sure did. Well, we uh, did the Rust and Peace version. That was your pick of the week, and you said... And then Dave Mustaine went back, re-recorded, and that that version is way better. <laughs> wow, I was drunk. <laughs> yeah, you were. No, I guess because you heard it today with the Lee Bing version going, yeah, this is awesome, you know? No, you yeah. I, I remember thinking, I was like, did I pick that when we did the Megadeth one? Yeah, you and did. I, I, I couldn't remember, but, oh, man, I can't believe I said the Dave one yeah, was better. Yeah, you sure did. Oh, yeah, good I, Lord, I, I was drunk. <laughs> yeah, I finished editing it, so... I'll make sure to put the Megadeth before the fear when we broadcast it. Nice. So people can hear both sides. <laughs> hey, so hey, check it out. Dave Mustaine's not the only poser here. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no respect, no respect. All right. My pick of the week, and um, I know whatever I'm going to say now, Ian's wheels are turning. I got to get him back on this one. But it's true, dude. The truth hurts. Um... And this one I may have picked too. I'm going to be like Ian. I'm going to pick something I already picked before. I'm sure I must have picked this out at one point. Not like I'll know. (laughs) Yeah, you won't remember. But this is one that, uh, boy, Ramones fans don't like. And I absolutely love it. I would say this is their best album uh, since uh, Too Tough to Die, I would say. I like it more than Animal Boy and whatever What's that one? Uh, UFO. What's that one called? Or whatever the fuck. Whatever. It's Brain Drain? Or? Yeah, Brain Drain. Brain Drain may be my least favorite. Oh, I love Brain Drain. I, well, love, I don't mind I don't mind it, to be honest. I love Mondo Bizarro. That's my, my pick of the week. Uh, Johnny uh, Johnny uh, Ramon hated it, too. Yeah, I knew that. I, I've still never heard that one. I love that album. This, the Job That Ate My Brain. Uh, Cabbies on Crack. Uh, censor shit. Uh, and, and you know, there's some good melodic songs on there like Strength to Endure, Main Man, 
the cover of uh, the Doors. Uh, oh, what's the name of that song? Take it easy, baby. Take take it as it comes. Yeah. Man, it's a great album. You know, my only sore spot is Tori. The last song is like they just did Rock and Roll High School with different lyrics. But I think the rest of the album is fucking great. I, lo- I love uh, It's uh, Not Gonna Happen, the ballad on there. Uh, but it's very hated by Ramones fans. And uh, I honestly don't understand how people can hate that and love Brain Drain. Because to me, well, Mondo Desaro sounds like Brain Drain, but better. You know? Well, what, what do they say they hate about it? Is it like the production or just the songs? Or? Well, I, I don't know. Because if you look at uh, one of the most amazing documentaries you'll ever see in your life, it's called End of the Century. The Ramones. Yeah, I got yeah, that. Yeah, love that. During, during the credits... Johnny's holding the CD. He's like Mondo Bizarro. Yeah, I don't like this one. Yeah, I remember that. That's all. That's all I got from it. That's all he said. But uh, Vernon Reed does a guitar solo. There's guitar solos on this album. Okay. Um, I just think it's great. I think it's uh, it's an awesome record. And I only met one guy that likes it. My friend Dan from Grave Seeker. He's like, kidding me, Mondo Bizarro rules. So I met one person that actually liked that album. So I'm giving a pick a week to piss off people that, that'll listen to it and say, oh, this shit sucks. I'm not like Ralph and Dan. But that, but I don't care. I stand by that album. That's why I'm picking it twice. I picked it twice already. Oh, fucking, and I might as well, like, you know, uh, piggyback on myself and make two picks of the week and say end of the century Ramones DVD. Uh, both those things you guys got to watch. Shit. And uh, decline, part, decline Part 1. So you can see how badass Fear owns everybody in that movie. Yeah. Actually, tell you, about the Ramones, one of my favorite interviews they ever did was um, you basically the whole the whole interview is just Johnny and Dee Dee just shitting over Phil Spector and doing that end of the century. And you just see Joey just just sulking. <laughs> it's like, man, this poor guy. It's, but yeah, but because yeah, these two guys just pop up like, you know, Phil sucked. This, oh, we didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. And then Joey's like, come on, it wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> so... Yeah, I do and, love that shit. And I, I will say, I do remember you did pick Mondo Bizarro before, but you said you liked the version with Elvis Ramon singing <laughs> better. He said no, it was I, no, I still think that. <laughs> you caught me. I didn't, I didn't finish my thing. I ain't no poser. Dude, I'm no poser. I worship Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, I got to piss that we'll get the fan of the week. Elvis Ramon was a drummer, by Yes, that was, he was... Um, Blondie. Yes, the driver's like his actual name, but he isn't Blondie. Did like what a whole two episodes, and then that one, I mean, told t- t- two shows, and they they fucking fired his ass. I think he was bitching about he didn't get merch money, or was that the other drummer that I, I think with the thing is that with uh, Cl- yeah, Clem Burke was that he couldn't, he was having a hard time playing the parts because it's like they're not hard, they're just demanding physically demanding it's like you know you just can't just keep doing this over and over and over so and this wasn't working out i don't know i i can't imagine he was gonna be bitching he might have bitched about the merch fuck i don't know um i just i can't see him doing it though um all righty all right ready yeah all right well now it's time to go into fan of the week and fan of the week is here with us mr t has been here since the beginning, uh, and I dark always, light, yeah, I always think back and laugh about the review he left us on iTunes. I love that shit, where he said, "Oh, I like this podcast, but they already lost one of their 
co-host. I, so I, don't, yeah, I don't know how much I don't know how much longer this thing's gonna go on. <laughs> I am so glad that I was yeah. wrong. Yeah, so and, glad. And, and, and what and what podcast oh. were you on that's no longer around? Thank you. Hey, we're in hiatus. You know, and for what it's worth, I, I mean, like, I it is what it is. You know? In other words, we suck and we don't want to come back. Hey, hey. Now, oh, basically. Well, when we started doing Iron Cast, I mean, I look, I, I'm an older dude. Like we're like we're older, we're like we're older dudes. We got our shit pretty much square, and but I'm doing it with like two young guys. I mean, fuck, I'm older than Luke's dad, um, and I'd always tell him, look, man, I don't want you guys to like do this shit over, say, like going back to university or whatever, doing like real shit. So my 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 motto has always been real life trumps the game. And, you know, they've got stuff that's going on. I said, just go ahead and take care of that. If we come back and do it, we do it. If not, then we don't. I'm not going to complain because I thought we had a great run. We got a hundred, we got to a hundred, which is about 80 more than I thought we were going to do. <laughs> and so, yeah. 99 we, more than you should have done. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, so oh let me guess. The one you were on was a good one. <laughs> no, that shit was terrible. Not, e- uh, not even I was good. Well, well let, let not me. Not even ask- I could save that train wreck. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. Since I got you here, and I talked to, to Barnes about it last time he was on here. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've heard it has to do with, like, somebody's computer crashed. And then uh, yeah. Barnes, Barnes said that you guys are mad because he wants to do all the Bon Jovi records. I mean. No, I just listened yeah. to that episode, how so I know he fucking, said that. How fucking drunk I was when I was on here doing On Through the Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is no comparison how drunk I was and why I didn't fucking keep the faith. Oh, boy. Yeah, I didn't listen to that, that one. Oh, Sorry. boy. I'd get hammered, <laughs> too, if I had to do that one. Jesus. That that album was, like, the hardest one I ever had to fucking review. I, and, you know, and we, had, and we had Chris Sinzak there as well. And, you know, and him and Greg, they're digging most of it. And I'm just hating, I think, the whole fucking album. Yeah, so I... For the sake of my liver, we I cannot do too many Bon Jovi albums now. Um, so, so is it really that? I, I mean, so I've heard, it, uh, you know, he says the shit about the Bon Jovi. Whose computer crashed? Was that Luke? Um, at one point, we all had computer issues. Oh, um, really? Yeah, in one year, we all had, I think had Luke had two crash, Greg had one crash, I had one crash, all within like I think six months of each other or something. And y'all jack off too much to internet porn. I know it's, I mean, I, my, my right arm is so much bigger than my left arm. It's, it's, it's scary. Um, so no, it, <laughs> that's funny. My neighbor's kid has a huge arm <laughs> and mine are the same size. Yeah. Thanks kid. <laughs> I should well, go to the vacuum cleaner instead, but you know, well, just, well, well, maybe if you give yourself a hand job instead of your neighbor's kitty. Hey, yes. fuck it. He needs a job. I don't have any grass to cut. Got to pay him to do something. Shave right. my balls. <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, do you guys, uh, what, what's the status now? I mean, uh, is you just waiting for someone to call and make an offer, or what's what's going on? Oh, yeah, totally. No, we have actually been sending stuff back and forth about it. So, it's not like we're not talking at all. So, I, we're definitely talking about trying to get stuff back up and running again. Well, that's Bummer. good. And, and, yeah, and, I know. It's will piss off Ralph, but yeah, it is what it is, man. <laughs> and, and I'm why, just kidding. Why know, doesn't man. Why doesn't Luke like fucking Ralph anymore? What did Ralph do? <laughs> oh, wait. 
I like Luke doesn't say Luke likes Ralph. I mean, I, I do not think this 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 feud thing or whatever exists. I really don't. I don't see well, it. Well, no, I know at one point he he left our page. He's uh, on the page. He is now. Oh yeah, I think I think I added him back. Why'd you do that? It was a long, long time. I like Luke. I like, and I didn't understand what the whole feud was because I didn't realize he was gone. And then he he sent me something about sorry. I got mad at something Ralph said, you know, and I didn't know if he was having uh, a bad week because I, I I know Luke Luke suffers with with depression and shit. And I didn't know. If I he know. Said, I know exactly what he got mad at me about. Oh, you do? He, okay. Yeah, because I did on a podcast saying a certain member of Ironcast is goofing on Terrence, blah, blah, blah. I was talking about Greg Barnes, not him, but he thought oh. I said every member of, of Ironcast. That's what it was. Okay. And, and then he attacked me on it. I was like, dude, I didn't say every member. I said a certain member, and it's not even you. I was talking about Greg Barnes, and that's where it all started. But then it got even worse because he found out that... This is hard for me to say. You're Cuban? No. Uh, you fucked his mom? Yes. Okay. And, and he, I, he, wants, I, he wants that child support now because you ain't giving it to him at all? Yeah, he did. After I told him, Luke, I am your father. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, but he, um, he never says that. And we don't I know. <laughs> That's impossible. That's what he said to me. Yeah. Hand shot on Greedo's face. <laughs> And plus, he wasn't too happy that I cut off his jerk-off hand. <laughs> hey, sometimes the leftist isn't as good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I tell you, I actually, I actually do uh, enjoy Ironcast. So I hope I, I think you guys, you guys work good together. So I hope you guys uh, make it back because there are far shittier podcasts out there. Mark Allen Taylor, uh, <laughs> you, you know, oh, three sides. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I tried listening to that man. I couldn't even get through the fucking episode. It was it was so bad, and I was I was wondering, you know, I was like, okay, well, I, I know I've heard they're popular. Then I heard, you know, that they lie about their number, they create fake accounts to make it seem like more people listen, which is pretty fucking lame if that's true. Uh, but I know that they're popular, so I finally said, fuck it, I'm going to listen to one episode because they were supposed to be talking shit about. Uh, about Decibel Geek, and then I also heard that they talk shit about Ralph. So I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta hear this because we're gonna go to fucking war. Yeah. And it was it was so bad that I stopped it and I wrote the person back. I said, at what minute <laughs> did they talk about Ralph? Because <laughs> I, I, I can't I, take care of this shit anymore. Oh, this is horrible, dude, dude. And it was only like a 45 minute. It was like a special episode. You know, it wasn't like full length, but it was so bad. I was like. Oh my God! They're not even funny. It's so boring. And there are there's so many boring podcasts out there. That's that's the like worst offense. Yeah, that that's the worst offense you can you can make is being boring. I don't even care like if you get some facts wrongs or whatever, but at least be fucking entertaining. And I was so happy a guy wrote a review on iTunes the other week, and 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 he brought that up, and I was like, man, I couldn't agree more because some of these people, man, they they could have the best sounding. Like, you know, editing and recording and all this stuff, and, and they know all their facts and shit. But if you're boring, you are fucking... That is the worst fucking sin, man. Uh, and, I love three sides. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, you just like the guess. Yeah. But, uh, 
But uh, but no, I, I, I seriously, I, I I even listened to Ironcast episodes I wasn't on. I, no, that's <laughs> only a few. That's only a few. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I hope I hope you guys get your shit back together, and uh, yeah. I hope I hope uh, Luke can find in his heart to forgive his true father, and uh, yes. we can all become one again. And by, and for the record, I love Ironcast. The time that you guys uh, interviewed that dude that played for Peter Chris in Atlanta, that was an amazing episode. Yes. Oh wait, that was three sides. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we we should have had some guy from Squeeze. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. I was surprised. Uh, wow, it was our fifth our fifth one, and we're interviewing someone who was actually in a band. Yeah, I listened uh, to that episode. And then after that, you got James Gilman. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> no, I I thought he was. Yeah, hey, I, I, I I didn't say anything else, James. You know him, little drama <laughs> starter. He'll be like, Ah, you said, Hey, wait, what? Huh? What? <laughs> I don't know, man. In the world that we live in, I think people know the guy from Squeeze more than James Gilman. That's all I'm saying. But Ralph won't listen again until you get Brody on there. Yeah, Brody's <laughs> my boy. I love Brody. He did a documentary on me. Check I know, I saw it. That's fucking hilarious. I dug yeah, it. He, I mean, he made a really good documentary on me. He's yes. been doing some cool uh, retrospectives, too, lately. Brody, Brody, you know my guy, man. He, you know, he, he, was, he, was a, he was a guest on our show, too. He, he came on and did, um, uh, fuck, was an, uh, one of Death's albums. Yeah, he, you know, I used to really hate the kid, but now I, I like him, and... Uh, uh, last week on Friday, uh, me and Ian did a podcast, and then I went to a show that I missed the band, so I came right back home, and Brody hit me up and said, hey, you want to do a, a Black Sabbath thing? I said, sure. So we got, that'll be coming out soon, I guess. He's working Ooh. on it. And it's going to be like video, too. I was like, oh, man, video? All right, whatever. So it's going to be some kind of retrospective on Black Sabbath with me and him. And I thought the conversation was quite good, and during... The recorder, recording is when he got the news that Vinnie Paul died. He told me, I was like, oh. He goes, oh, man, you know who died? I was, he goes, you know who died? And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, he didn't have to say it yet. I already knew it was somebody I love. I was like, oh, fuck. Who? He said, Vinnie Paul's like, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, Luke Innes, that's all you got to do. Kiss Ralph's ass, I'll be forgiven. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with Luke. I don't give a fuck if he hates me or not. I don't. I really don't care. I have no problem with him. When I have no, when I have no problem with somebody and they dislike me, and doesn't say, don't say anything to me, but they just dislike me. Like uh, what's his face? Until I found out he was. Until I actually saw what he was saying about yeah, me. Yeah, Jacob Wood. Yeah, when I saw he, what he was saying about me, it sucked. But before that, that guy was hating on me for a while, and I loved him. So as long as I don't know what 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 this guy's saying about me, I ain't got no problem with Luke. Just don't <laughs> let me see what he says. You know who sent me a message the other day? <laughs> that fucking Tim guy. That uh, not not Tim Bream, but Tim Wozniak or whatever the fuck his name is. That guy you kicked off the page and he sent you a message saying, "Hey, I can't find the page. What happened?" Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. He sent me one saying the same thing. He's like, "Hey, Ian, uh, what's going on? What happened to the page? I can't find it no more." <laughs> I blocked. Dude, I blocked him because he was like, "Fuck you, you cocksucking motherfucker!" He said like all this vile shit at me, uh, and I didn't even fight back. I was like, "Okay, you're gone." And, and then soon after, he was like, "Hey, Ralph, I can't find the page." I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" <laughs> Never mind all that shit I wrote about you. Um, where's the page, man? <laughs> he, he, he was probably as drunk as me. He's like, what? I said I like the Davis Dane version better? Holy shit. I, I don't remember that. 
Oh, man, oh, man. Oh, fuck. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, Mr. T-Man, you have been here from the fucking beginning, and, uh, good to have you on here, and, and, uh... Well, I'm glad to be on. I love this fucking show. Uh, How can you not? I know, it's impossible not to. (laughs) And glad to have you on here where, uh, Ralph's not so mad about the album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, those other two, I was like, I mean, I, I wasn't mad, Ian. Don't, don't, I was just kind of like, This isn't like, we're not doing like hysteria again or something. Right. Yeah. Or adrenalized. Oh, Lord. I have, I have a different attitude now toward people that donate. It's like, I don't want to get mad at people kind enough to donate. I think that was a little selfish of me last year. But I'll be honest. I mean, Ian, I'll tell you, I mean, I was all for reviewing them, but there was a ugh in my head. You know, in my brain going on and going, oh, man, the pigs, these freaky style. Oh, man. Okay. You know, he donated. I got to stick with, you know, you know, but I was kind of like, and then when Ian told me the record, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. All right. Cool. You know, let's do that. I don't know so if you remember you. Well, like when I, when I gave you guys like my first little list of like shit I would like to do before, before we end up doing Author of the Night. If I'm not mistaken, I think the first album on there was Fear the Record. Oh, I, I can't remember. I, I have to go back and take a look. But I'm, I remember saying, like, I'll fear the record. Fuck yeah, I no, I do remember. You put fear the record, the Dave Mustaine vocal version. I was like, fuck Yes. That. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we, had to, we had to go through the crap. So, yeah. I remember I used to like that one. <laughs> you did last, Just last week. week. <laughs> but, not, but this week you don't. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, man. man. I, I was going to say I should stop drinking, but I was like, yeah, fuck no, that shit. You should stop drinking Grolsch. Go back to Rolling Rock where you're more real. I'm drinking Rolling Rock now. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, that, that proves you like the Lee Bing version more. Yeah, that, that other shit was too highbrow, man. Yeah, exactly, man. Stop with the, stop with the fancy schmancy, artsy fartsy beer. Oh, I don't, dude. You actually I, like it like Grolsch. Seriously, I cannot wait to hear that because I remember when I... Because I bought both of them, and I bought the remasters. I was like, ah, this might sound good. And I remember not liking it, and I can't believe I said I did. Yep, you said you preferred the Damon Stain version. Wow. And as I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I remember, I kind of remember you saying you hated it. So you heard the Damon Stain version. Well, I, re- I remember the album was a grower. Like, when I first got it, I was like, eh. But, but then it, it grew on me, and I liked it, and then I remember... I bought when I because I bought all the remasters, uh, the Megadeth ones when they came out, and uh, I remember like, I don't know, man. Now I think I like the leaving one better, but fuck, who knows? Who knows what I think? I'm less drunk now, so I tend to believe, and I listened to the leaving this morning and enjoyed it, so I tend to believe what I say now. But who knows? Yeah, I believe you more now. <laughs> but check them out both, you know. Hey, I could be right, and I could be right. <laughs> you know, you never know. I'm a teepee. I'm a wigwam. I'm too tense. I don't know. What are you gonna do? But thank you very much, and and you gave a very generous donation, Mr. T. Over yeah. hundred and fifty dollars you paid. What? For this. Holy shit! And he's yes. only getting one episode out of this. We gotta have him back. For All right, fifty. We'll do brain drink. I'm, I'm, da- I'm down for that. I'm down for <laughs> no, that. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do it. I hate no, that. No, I've already, I've already did it on Ironcast. I want to redo it. I'm not like someone who wants to do the same album six fucking times because I had a new podcast. Um, we'll, do, we'll do one of those shitty ones that I don't want to do. We'll do one of those two. <laughs> well, no, I'll, I'll look for something else. So don't worry about that. 
dude. You paid that much. I, at least I can do is fork shitty uh, album for you. Fork hey, anal. Let, me, let hey. me work a little for that one fifty. Hey. Fork anal. Hey, we got him on record saying he don't mind. Only assholes change their story. So you know we got him here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come back next week and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Next week, yeah. I like I like the Dave, uh, the Brett Michaels yeah. version. Yeah, next <laughs> All right, fuck it. Let's go into the plugs. Ear Peeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring workday? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina! Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, 
funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Welcome to the best fucking show you'll ever hear in your life. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, The Dr. Fuck Show. Yes, tune in here at that metal station for The Dr. Fuck Show. I've been doing this show right here for years. And the chat room's always packed. The jams are always playing. And yeah, you may get a rant every freaking week from me. Fuck, not freaking. I don't want to say freaking. I mean fucking. So join me and my lunatics that are let out of the asylum here on that metal station. 8 p.m. Eastern time. Thursday nights. Join me. Let's lose our fucking minds. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, and who knows, maybe I enjoyed it, maybe I didn't. You can find out on two different episodes what I think. Come back next week when we have another fan-picked episode. And could it be Mr. T again with an album just to piss off Ralph? Can't stop the music. Oh, love the soundtrack, hate the movie. Or do I hate the movie and love the soundtrack? Who knows? It's Sunday. Better than freaky (laughs) styly. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Sex on the phone <laughs> that's not on that album that's a no, whole that's, sec- that's what the fuck album is that like i that's uh, sex yeah sex on the phone i think is the album too okay that's, you think i think you i think you know homo <laughs> uh, hold on i gotta look it's in my itunes i know that much <laughs> you heart cock <laughs> if heart means love then you bet your sweet ass <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, oh, thanks, y'all. This was this was great. I love this shit. Yeah, it was a really good show, dude. Yeah. Thank you. For being hey, here thank you. Now that now that I'm stop stop recording, I love you, bro. Just you know, on the show, I gotta act like. No, I, I dude. I mean, I wouldn't be on here if you didn't like me. Yeah, you're you're. you're I mean, to I'm me, not. You're, to you, to me, you're Mr. Terrific. On the show, you're Mr. Terrible. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. But we need your we need your editing to make me a little less terrible. Oh, yeah, well, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. That's not no. what he said on the Megadeth episode. Yeah. <laughs>